This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Hey, bro, what's the Connected Experience? It's an experience, man. It's a lifestyle. We bring you different type of flavors in this space that people call podcasting, but we throw events. We we just all around and you an experience. Yeah. yeah. And we... We plug the fuck in, bro. Yeah, I'm like, not, but I could plug you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel what you're saying. I'm just a nobody nigga trying to stay low-key, man. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, that's so how you been, man. I've been all right. Yeah. Eventful weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah my baby all turned right. two, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So had a little party and shit. She she enjoyed herself. All the kids did. Yeah. Yo, Elmo and okay through the door. She I, went had, nuts. I almost went off on them in, in the uh, parking, parking lot, lot though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't going to say they was doing nigga business, but they was doing nigga business. And yeah. when I refer to them, Definitely no. not. You know what I'm saying? I and that's not a knock. It's just you got to be good at what you do to get the uh, referral. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? And yeah. I was hoping that in they, my heart of hearts yeah. when they was super late that they wasn't niggas. Yeah. And I was disappointed. Well, by, by nigga, you just mean niggas because we use the term yeah, nigga. nigga to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody. they was acting like niggas, but they was yeah. actually black. But <laughs> they was right. acting like niggas. Niggas. Because yeah. yeah. that's not exclusive to black people when we speak. And then we yeah. got to, I've been letting people know because some shit on the flow and we won't go for censorship. So. I say nigga, I say faggot, I say Jew, I say all of those terms because if I could say nigga, all then I could say all of that. You right, know what I'm right. saying? So it's like they'll try to bleep out the shit we say. But we could cuss on here and we could talk how we want because we, we foot our own bill. Right, and on top of that, like... I'm not for that either, because even with the music, if you say certain shit, it's okay to say kill niggas, and they think you're talking about black people, but you refer to somebody else, and then it's an issue. Eminem shouldn't be the only person saying hunky on record. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I feel. You feel what I'm saying? Because if... If it's okay for him to say it, it's okay for you to say it. Because it's white rappers who say nigga. I don't got no problem with that because you're not talking to me directly and I don't identify with what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Because he could be talking about his white homeboys as niggas. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not exclusive to black people. But You got a turn? I do got a turn, but I heard you had a person you need to know. What you got? I actually do got a person you need to know. Charlotte E. Ray. Charlotte E. Ray was born January 13th, 1850 and died January 4th, 1911. She was the first black American female lawyer in the United States of America. Ray graduated from Howard University School of Law in 1872. She was also the first female admitted to the District of Columbia Bar and the first woman admitted to practice before the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia. Her admission was used as a precedent by women in other states who sought admission to the bar. Ray opened her own law office and ran advertisements and newspapers ran by Frederick Douglass. However, she only practiced for a few years because prejudice against African Americans and women made her her business unsustainable. Ray eventually moved to New York where she became a teacher in Brooklyn. She was involved in the women's suffrage movement and joined the National Association of Colored Women. Now the reason that I laced y'all up with her. I've never heard of her. I'm I'm actually happy that you said that. And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, yeah, we tell people a lot about books, but somebody actually going to grab a book and pick it up is really slim compared to if we always let them know about a A person. person. That's why lately we've been telling you all about people. What's your term? And then we will get into why I picked her and why you picked your term. Uh, My term is redemption. Redemption is an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or mistake or the state of being redeemed. it's also paying off as a mortgage bond or note because people get out on bond. They might have to pay their bond off. But we picked these terms because if you're a listener or if you're just starting out listening, <laughs> we do a, 
a show topic called Life After Felonies. So the first time we had us, because we are former felons, and we had... Uh, yeah, yeah, we are, you know what I'm saying? And you know what I don't like about things that people say, like, okay, so you ain't a gangster if you get in trouble and clean your name up. So now all these guns legal. So when I shoot you, I'm not going to jail because you have an illegal gun on you. So you should want to get rid of your felonies. People wear their felonies like that a shit badge is like of honor. a badge of honor because niggas give you props for all the wrong shit. So yeah. if you are a felon and you can get your felony expunged, hey, bro, do that. You know like, there's no saying? reason you shouldn't. There's no reason you shouldn't. So the reason that I told you about the first African-American uh, female lawyer is because we actually have an African-American lawyer on the show that's a female, Alexis Taylor, and uh, we also have one of AJ's friends. Yeah, my homegirl, Nikki. Uh, Miss Nikki, if you nasty. But <laughs> 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 well, we we got my homegirl, Nikki, and she living her life after a felony. You know what I'm saying? So I prefer no Nikki. Oh, no Neek, uh, you know what I'm saying? But she living her life after felonies, you know what I'm saying? We actually been discussing this for a long time. And then, like, when we for, did the first episode, she, I like, was angry. she was angry. And I said, no, we got something better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's ever been a show done with a female attorney and a female felon. You know Former. What I'm Former felon. She don't. She didn't wear her shit like a badge on her. I actually had to pry it out of her. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. So, Alexis, could you introduce yourself to the uh, the podcast world? Of course. I'm Alexandria Taylor. I've been practicing law for about eight years now, and I own and manage my own law firm downtown Detroit. It's called Taylor Law Firm. Initially, when I started out, um, I kind of had a broad practice philosophy just because as a new business owner, you need money. So (laughs) you take on a lot of cases. And over the past couple of years, I've kind of narrowed it down to criminal because I see the disparity in representation in, in the criminal law realm. Um, and what I'm what I'm saying is you have a lot of lawyers, specifically downtown Detroit, you'll have a lot of lawyers, uh, white lawyers who come from outside the community and monopolize the court appointed system. And to me, that's what's led to so many young black men behind bars is because they're kind of forced into taking these plea deals. And so I kind of narrowed and focused on capital cases, which are like your life offenses and so that's what we've been doing, um, just working against the system. Uh, you know, I was on a show last week and someone asked, do I trust the system? Absolutely not, right. especially because I see the system is almost skewed um, against black people. And it's like when it gets you in its grips, you're literally fighting against the entire system. And that's what most people don't understand. I mean, it's, it's a real uphill battle from over-prosecution to dirty cops, um, missing evidence. I mean, there are so many things that you're fighting against. And when you look at overall, the percentage of black lawyers is so few of us. And I feel like that's what really hurts us, because how can you you don't really understand the dynamics of our community. So you don't care about pleading this young black person out um, and them going to prison because that doesn't affect you. You don't see the effects of that in your community. You go home to your family and this doesn't affect you at all. Whereas me, I have a black son at home. Right. And so when I look at these, you know, the people that I represent, this could be my kid. And they just thinking <coughs> he's just another nigga, nigga. not right. knowing like his background. Right. So let's talk about um, growing up. Uh, Where did you grow up? And you got siblings. How was your parent life? Like, let's talk about uh, growing up. So growing up, I lived a pretty average life, probably different than most of the people that I come across. So I grew up, both my parents, uh, my mom worked in corporate America. So she was a corporate officer at MBD Bank, downtown Detroit. 
And uh, <laughs> indeed, that's old school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's old school. That's Very, Chase Bank now for all you young right. kids. Chase Bank. Um, and then she left corporate America and then uh, turned entrepreneur and had group homes. Uh, she had a clothing store in Romulus for many years, Dynasty Fashions. Used to be right up there next to China Chef. And, um, you know, so pretty normal existence. I, I have one sister. Uh, my oldest sister is deceased, but my middle sister is Becky. She has seven kids. And uh, her and her husband live in Georgia. <laughs> so so growing up, you've seen both sides of the, uh, you could be corporate and make a nice living for your family. And then she jumped into the entrepreneurship. So when you're watching your mom, like, make that transition, were you old enough to realize what was going on? Like, okay, she's not going to be working at the bank no more. We going to be focused on doing this business. I didn't realize it then. It was only when I got older that I realized, you know, what she did. As a kid, you don't know. It's just like you're thinking, is my life going to change? And it didn't. I still had a really good life. And so you don't start to realize that until you get a little older. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's talk about school, high school, college. What, um, Like in high school, did you know that you wanted to do law? Because, y'all. She used to throw some fucking parties <laughs> out of this world. I'm talking about Project X shit back then, bro. Like the whole everybody there, everybody there. Yeah. Like every in no trouble. Like I've never been to a party of hers where it was trouble. So you didn't look at party promoting as something you would do once you got to college, or you didn't even know the magnitude of this shit. I didn't know the magnitude of it. So I, when I graduated, I kind of left that party life behind. Um, but obviously, it was really big in high school, and I loved it. So I went to Michigan State, never thought about party promoting uh, when I went to college. and But I did party a lot up there, which is why it took me five years <laughs> instead of four. <laughs> and um, after that, I went to Eastern for my MBA. But initially in high school, I was going to school for my Ph.D. in psychology because I was more interested in why people commit crime. So I was yeah. kind of like on that track. Yeah, yeah. So when did you say, you know, I actually want to be a lawyer? It was after I graduated with my MBA, and it was at that point it hit me. I'm just like, this is what I want to do. But it's funny, though, because I always had a fear of public speaking. Like, I didn't realize that I had the gift of advocacy until my first year of law school. Yeah. So yeah, did some, what's that gift? Yeah. What does that mean for somebody who doesn't know? Just, I'm a trial attorney, so just the, the gift of being a litigator. Okay. Okay, you so gotta, you got to explain what these terms mean because we don't know who's listening. So, yeah, yes. because I, you know what I've noticed and I've, I've read in a lot of books is that like when people are defendants and they get up there and they hear how the court is talking about them, right. huge disconnect because they don't understand any of the terms that they're using. So, they describing you as a monster to only people that can understand, and the only person that can understand is your lawyer and the prosecutor. Like the people's parents don't understand right. like, how bad that this shit really sounds. So when you use legal terms like litigator or something like that, could you just give a brief Definitely. breakdown of what it is? Definitely. So when I say litigator, I just mean that I do trials. I consider myself to be a trial attorney. Um, so I file motions. Um, you know, I believe in actually litigating a case, and that means filing things, um, not just pleading somebody, right. not so taking not the first the plea. offer. Yeah, you're not the plea you know, deal. And even if we ultimately plead, because I'm not going to say I'm against plea because that will be a lie, but even if we do that, I'm going to make the government work for it. You know, you have the burden. We don't have a burden. So we're going to file motions, and we will exhaust all remedies before we plea. Right. And then, you know what I think about a lot of defendants? Because when we, I've been getting in trouble since shit, what, 94? Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's a long time that we've been getting in trouble, but we always was always involved with our cases. Like, 
if I pay you, that means you work for me. So if I can find out something that can help my case, and a lot of other people don't do that, like they just they they put it all on a lawyer. lawyer. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that that'd be so stupid to me because when I first call, when we I call my real big case. Like, I wasn't afraid to call my lawyer and be like, yo, what do this mean? Like, and then you meet so many people who never read their discovery. Right. Like, if you reading your discovery is how you could tell your lawyer, like, oh, hell no, this was at 1055. Right. And they saying that this was at 1036. Because that makes a little big, stuff that, that make little a stuff big, make difference. A big difference. So if you a criminal and you don't know terms like discovery and all of that, you already lost. But like with me, I took a plea. But we t- it took so long. We was about to go to trial the day, and we it was had a day a, of trial. It was a day of trial. No, it was a day of picking a jury. Yeah. We was about to we was about to go to trial, and we were confident that we could win in trial too. Like I wasn't about to plea out to get fifteen years on right. the case. If I would have go to trial, I get fifteen years anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? And a lot that I think that be scaring people when they hear the amount of time because. By being a smart criminal, what I mean by that is I always held, held myself accountable for my actions. So I know if yeah. I go murder you, bro, this is a life sentence. Right. So if you offer something less than a life sentence, right. then I would take it because I knew when I went to murder you or when I went to sell these drugs or whatever, I knew what I was getting into. I, a lot of my criminal friends, they kind of act like they don't know they're breaking the law right. until it's too late. Yeah. And like, how do you deal with... Um, Defendants like that, like you. Well, they not they not, clients. Not on the clients to her. Like, how do you deal with <laughs> right. clients who kind of convince you that they not doing shit wrong? Well, I have kind of like a case like that now, where a young guy, really, really young, twenty four years old, um, he had broken to a Little Caesars and they got him off DNA while he was currently in prison. He was on a one year and he came out, and then they brought this case. And he was like, oh, but it shouldn't matter. I mean, it's challenging because I think with some of the younger people, they don't really understand. And I'm just like, well, we don't really have a fight here because they have your DNA and there's there's video footage. So it's challenging. But I find that particularly with young younger defendants in that 20 to 25 age range that are like that. Right. Yeah. So when you discovered that you wanted to be a lawyer, like what what made the light bulb go off in your head? Like, was you watching like Perry Mason? Law and Order. Law and Order. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. Law and Order helped me beat my case. I am not. I go lie like I started focusing on that's how I started learning the terms and shit that this some of this shit meant and I would go back to my lawyer like they saying blah 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 and they like what the fuck are you doing and I'm yeah. like I'm watching Law and Order like yeah. every single day and I like, well not SVU this was this was pre this, this pre SVU you know what I'm saying so like Jack McCoy we used to be battling like that nigga be kicking my ass because I'm trying to be the lawyer the defense attorney but I'm, yeah. that's how I learned a bunch of legal terms and the and prosecution shit. tricks like they show you everything in plain sight like that sound funny that we see in Law and Order but like you can learn so many tricks of the opposition defendant or uh, prosecution just by paying attention to what they saying when they go to the judge chambers because usually uh, the defendant's not privy to being the judge right. chambers, just the lawyers. So if you feel like you've been there before, it's like, listen, yeah, I ain't it, going it, for it, this. It, and it's a lot of political thing aspects to getting certain clients Absolutely. up too. You know what I'm saying? So like, could you talk about it from the political aspect where you might have to do something that you don't technically agree with but it's not morally wrong mm-hmm. for, po- for political gain in the future for a client, like, have you ever not sacrificed the client, but you had to tell them, like, look, this is going bad for you either way, so let's jump on this. Right. I mean, I think, yeah, you deal with that. What I see that's more political is the appointment process and how lawyers get cases. So that's what's more political because, and that's why I say that 
white lawyers monopolize the court appointments because they have the ability to donate to these judges when they're running for office. Yeah. So that's where I see the politics the most is in that process because these judges, they have fundraisers yeah. and these lawyers come in and they're given, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars in the court appointment. They rotate. Yeah. So different judges, they have a period that they assign cases to lawyers. And so they're assigning cases to lawyers mostly who donated to them. Right. And I always tell my wife, like, it, it don't matter how you vote. It matter where you put your money at. If right. you ever got an interest or you feel like it's going to be an interest that's in your interest, you have to put money there because right. your vote don't matter. You know what I'm saying? They don't know. Like, I mean, technically they know you voted, but they really know that you this came you from the, the right. such and such foundation. And right. they go see who that's owned by. Oh, OK. So right. now if your son ever get in front of them and they say, wait a minute, Jackson, Jackson Foundation, is your mom Ebony? Yeah. OK. Get this lawyer because he's not strong. Right. It's a defense. Right. <laughs> and, and that process is real, real political because, again, you're going and you're donating. And it's the same thing with appointments. So we had a judge um, at Frank Murphy who had passed away in who appoints the governor appoints and that's very political like i applied for one of those appointments you don't even get consideration because it's so political and you have to be involved and be connected to get that and then a lot of people don't understand too with them politics like so the defense attorney the judge and the, and the, and the uh, prosecutors go back and forth so if lex beat a certain uh prosecutor in front of a certain judge the rest of their career they gunning for her and then you end up in front of that judge 10 years later and they not playing fair because they got the power or she got the power. Right. But a lot of that stuff be connected because I'll tell you a quick story with us. We had caught another case and we went in front of a judge and our lawyer like, no, nah, we about to get this move to my judge. My judge won't be back in, uh, for two weeks, but all we got to do is get it on their calendar. Now, if you ever go to uh, court and you know, like it's really every two weeks, another court date when you fighting your cases. Well, 14 right. days. Because yeah, it, it got to be between, what, 14 and 21? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah. it's like every two weeks that you get another court date. And so the process is super long. Literally, we walked in court and walked out at the end of the day with our plea deal, everything signed once we went in front of his judge. And that's when I was like, okay, this shit's serious. Because he told us, like, oh, that judge going to give y'all some time, especially right. you. Because I was, I was literally only off probation when we caught our other case a month when we Got our second when, when he got on probation, and I got my second term of probation. All you my information, like literally, all my information was still in there. And the probation officer came and laughed at me because I had told her before I left, like you would never see me again. You go catch me on TV, <laughs> blah blah blah. So when we go back, Mr. Fred Smith was like, "Oh, it's somebody who want to see you," and I'm like, "Who the fuck would want to see me in a probation <laughs> office?" You know what I'm saying? And when I walked in there, it was the lady, Miss Grayson. How you doing? Hope hope everything going good for you because she was a good probation yeah, officer yeah. to me. I ain't gonna lie. But her and her homegirl laughed at me, and she was like, "I knew I see you in here again, Mr. Jackson." So, she spoke that into existence. Yeah. Why would she do that? She must have liked it. I'm about to say that. If, you, if you're listening, I'm taking. But I know you're about to like it. You know what I'm That's real. So, uh, Nikki, we gonna swing it to you. So, like, uh, introduce yourself, and then we kind of get into as much as what happened with you as you would like to. Now, when you say introduction, you want my name. Like, well, I'm such and such. I'm from no. the zone. Oh, no, no, no. I'm 12, though. Uh, hey, she corrected you hella quick, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, my name is Nonique. Um, people call me Nikki. I prefer Nonique. Um, yeah, I'm from 12. <laughs> and I am a former felon. Like, yeah. I don't wear that with a... Right, and I can honestly say, like, since I met you, so what's cool about her, like, 
uh, I used to manage or not. Some people I manage, I, I never like at all. Like I might have just needed a body in there, and that's true. So I hire you. But then some people, like I really take a liking to, and I'd be like, yo, they cool. I still got people I manage when I started my career that I fuck with. And she kind of came at the end of my retail career. But I'm like, yo, what's something about her? Like she just seemed mad cool. So like the first time she was supposed to come. <laughs> the first time she was supposed to come, she ain't come. So I was like, yeah, she she really ain't serious. Because I actually reached out to somebody else. Like, hey, you need a job and shit? She was like, no, but my homegirl need a job. And she missed her interview and shit. So I'm like, yeah, she ain't coming shit. And then she hit me up like, yo, I had like a traffic violation. Like the judge wasn't playing and shit. So I was like, all right, I might not like her, but I still need somebody. I hire you, right? <laughs> so then she actually came. She worked out good. So then we started to build and she like, uh, our birthday, May 22nd and shit. And she was like, oh, yeah, that day significant to me. And then I was like, why? And it's then tell me. Oh, yeah, well, May 22nd significant to us. And she was like, oh, the 23rd, that's my dad's birthday. And then I was like, why is that significant to you and why was it? Uh, my release date. <laughs> yeah, because she's actually been to the penitentiary. You know yeah, what I'm I saying? actually in prison. Yeah, and I was like, uh, uh, this year? She was like, yeah, I'm like, nigga, it's June. Like, <laughs> she was like, I really just got out of jail. Like, and like, I was looking for a job. So, like, how did you end up in prison? Um, okay, so. Let's rewind. Crime, Before she get to prison, you got to let them know what 12th Street is. I mean, I don't. I'm not from there. Oh, no, well, I'm saying, know, well, how was it growing up on 12th Street? It, was, it wasn't bad. I had, like, a really normal childhood. My I had an uncle that lived across the street. Auntie that stayed in the, like in the alley behind us. Another well, she uncle was staying was in the like, alley, like no, like you know, <laughs> it's the block, and then you have the alley, and then yeah. it's the block behind you. So she was like literally like right behind us. Yeah, I mean we had a good childhood. Yeah, nice family life. Oh, I have one brother, one sister with my mom, but with my dad, it's a whole nother story. <laughs> I only met like two of them. I think it's like four extras. I don't know. Four, four extras. extras. <laughs> four four extras. extras. Are you an extra, bro? No. I'm Are a, we extras? No, because our parents was married. Okay. Um, good. You know what? Mine were too. But Papa was a Rolling Stone. He was in the army. Yeah. Oh. So you know how you know they sort their oats everywhere. <laughs> you got to. You never know where you gonna end up. You got to drop them off. You feel and it's crazy. You know what's crazy? Um, I have a sister that was born in January of '88. A brother that was born in October of '88, and I was born in November. Yeah, he was active. Yeah, hella active. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then well, it's a small world. My partner from 12th Street, happy. And then you knew them. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of this went into consideration, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay, if happy, I'm like, happy, you know, such and such. And then he told me some shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, I fuck with her. You know what I'm saying? So, that's like, my yeah, see, that's her brother. So, you know what that means because she got a sister. So, uh, <laughs> 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 so, like, like, how was, like, life, like, high school, like, your years? Like, basically, when did you discover, like, you wanted to do crime? Oh, what? That was, first of all, nobody <laughs> ever discovers that. It just happens. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. I didn't discover, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and be a criminal. Just Some happen. people do, though. I had oh. dreams of being an international criminal, like, until my cousin introduced me to rap. This is no joke. Like, I oh, wanted wow. to be, like, an international world-renowned, like, criminal. Like, I had a whole plan. Like, I was going to go to the military to get training and to get connects like, all the way around the world. And then my cousin introduced me to rap, and that became my dream. I love him, and I'm mad at him for it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you think you would have got further in life as an international criminal? I can't say. I just wouldn't have been human trafficking what it is today. But, I like, other stuff, I know that I would have been great at because I did crime on a smaller level. So when I was doing crime, I would always think about like, yo, 
can I could be, be better? Yeah, like if I would have did my inner. So all my crime was money related to get money to fund rap. So anytime I was doing something illegal, like that was money related, I'm like, but I'm still a criminal. But I want, you know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to better myself. Yeah, I but the international that's what, that's criminal. That's what lies was, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, but wait, what was the question? The question? So, like, when did you get in the crime? Uh, my first case was I was nineteen. Yeah, nineteen, and both charges, both charges is the same thing. Like, I only had two charges. Yeah, one it was a high misdemeanor, but I ended up getting a Hida program, so it's not technically on my record. Hida, <laughs> I listen. He was like the last person. I was, who like was supposed to get Hida. Person with Hida for like a violent offense, like a real like. So my crime was I did whatever I did I did and it was pretty violent and it was a gun connected to it you know what I'm saying and like mm-hmm. the prosecutor lady which was great which was dope like we t- I told you we took the deal like the day of trial so this lady was like fresh out of college she looked at good as hell and she told our lawyer by mistake on purpose I don't know why she told the lawyer like I can't send him to jail that looked like somebody I would date and the lawyers <laughs> ate that shit up yeah. like like yo they went crazy on that shit you know what i'm saying so before that they had never even mentioned Haida. they was talking prison and all of this so i ended up getting Haida, a year probation to Haida, and a year in the county for a gun cuz you had to get 2 years for the for gun. gun and that was like there was the, the prosecutor was like technically that's 2 years so if he copped to reckless use of a firearm a firearm in public i can say that the year of Haida and then the year in the county Boy, I was on it. That's pretty amazing. And then listen, so when we come back, you know, on sentencing time and shit, it's like a guy prosecutor, like, this shit ain't even the same. And they were like, who signed off on this? My my judge and, I mean, my lawyer and them was like, it's already too late. You just standing in. You, We could put a straw man right here to to (laughs) accept this. And I went to jail that day and I never, like, I was like, I knew how thankful I was. And niggas in the county like, what, you did this, you did. I said, bro, you can look at my file. My shit real, my nigga. That's what paid lawyers do. Because just a bunch of you niggas who went here with the white um, court appointed. appointed, You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what paid lawyers do. So, boom, you got Haida. So, we Haida brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, Yeah. And you know what's crazy? My court appointed got me to Haida. But it was checks. I was just, like, writing bad checks. Yeah. On purpose? uh, Yeah, on purpose. (laughs) Okay, I used to, like, clean this house with, like, this old white dude. But he was, like, a real sleazeball. Like, he was, like, a pedophile. Yeah. So he like 60 years old. At the time, I'm like 19. Like, why are you coming on to me? So I figure like pain and suffering. It started with one check. It was easy to like forge a signature. He was left-handed. I'm like, oh, I can do that. So it was one. And then it was like two. But it's like the third one, he was actually there closing the account, which is the only way that I had got caught. If I was like five minutes earlier. It would have worked. Yeah, it would have worked. So, do you think like so? This was like so. You are identity thief. So, uh, but this was way before people was. No, on no, it. I wrote the check out to me. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I didn't have like no fake IDs. <laughs> I wrote the check out to me. I just signed his signature. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, uh, so by cleaning his house, did you know if he like checked his account regularly? Because he was going to close the account, so obviously something like alerted him. And then this is like not right now where you can check your account every it day. It was his ex wife. She alerted him because she had wanted some money. And he was like, oh, well, I only have such and such and such and such, so I can't give it to you. And she's like, well, why? When I just checked last week and you had this. And yeah. he was like, he was like, why are you checking my stuff? And then he was like, what do you mean I had that? Yeah. So if she wasn't 
in his business. Yeah, if she ain't want the money that you already had taken. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so like you get the probation. I'm not wrong in this. Like, oh no, I mean he deserved it. Yeah, no, yeah. and I can see how you can feel like that because you felt like you were being violated in some and way. And then like, and many times I like politely asked them to stop. Like, yo, like chill, nah. The same for me. And then, like, what's crazy about that is, like, I get that way of understanding because if anybody know about little Melvin from Baltimore, uh, who The Wire was actually about, he said, like, they he used to gamble. But he said when he went to jail, he went to jail for drugs because the police put drugs, like some pills in his pocket. And he said when he sat in jail for something he didn't do, he felt so upset that they violated him that he made the vow that he would be the biggest drug dealer Baltimore had ever seen when he got out of jail. And that's what happened. But he he said it was all fuel because of the way the police treated him for something he wasn't even into. He said he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. So for y'all to know all of this, because he was a kid gambler, like he was so good, like his mama would give him the money to at least get in the game because they knew he would win. And he said the police hated stuff like that because they hanging out in these same spots. They losing their rent money to a 14-year-old essentially. And he said that's what aggravated him. So like you get on probation, do you walk the straight and narrow, or do you say, man, I'm about to get back to it? Um. So, with the first case, they gave me a year of probation, and I had to pay the money back. It was like $1,700. But I was in school, so I ended up using my refund check to pay it back, so that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Um. I finished probation off because I paid the money off soon. Yeah. Bam. Done with East Point. So, I only had to do probation for like two months. Yeah. So, I didn't catch the the one that I went to prison for until 2009. Yeah. And I think I was, like, 23 at the time. And it was bad checks again. But this time, like, uh, this guy I know, he was cleaning, like, buildings. So, he had access to payroll checks. So, I was, like, making fake payroll checks. Oh, now it's a little bit more intense, like. Yeah. It's, like, had to get equipment and plates and everything. No, this is really fraud. Like, like you know, like, it's this legit is, fraud. Yeah, it's yeah. uttering and publishing. So, um, when I caught the case, um, I was still considered for Haida, but since it was my second offense of the same You a habitual, kind, yeah, it, it looked like this is your thing. Yeah, so they end up just charging it as, like, I got felony probation, but they, it was three-year probation. And I had to do, like, six months in, like, this intensive drug program because I dropped dirty for smoking weed. So I had to do like six months where I had to call every day to see if I got the dropper. That was easy. Did that. I think I got down to, I had six months left on a three-year probation. And I got a ticket in Southfield for driving while my license was suspended. And that sent you to prison? Yes. The judge revoked my probation and sentenced me on my original charge, which carried a one to 14-year sentence. Oof. Wow. And it's so crazy. The prosecutor, <laughs> the prosecutor was like, whoa, like, we what just. What city was that? Um, well, I got the charge in Hazel Park. So oh, okay. it ended up going to Oakland County. So I had to go to Pontiac for circuit yeah. court. Yeah. The prosecutor was like, y'all, we just wanted you to. <laughs> charge like, like an extra 150, like, finer. We oh, didn't yeah. want this. But yeah, he ended up revoking. And that him. probably happened because personally, some prop somebody could have possibly stole some money from the judge through checks. Like it'd be a lot of personal shit that go on. Like because even when a prosecutor, like, whoa, like what the fuck? So so. Hey, wait, wait! It is so crazy. Like when I end up, okay, how I got caught? Um, I end up trying to cash, being greedy, cashing one of the checks in my own name from the same bank that somebody previously already cashed one at. 
So mm-hmm. they was like, all right, they already called about this account. It's fake. Boom. I go to jail. A lawyer, um, my uncle is a lawyer. He is the one who ended up like getting me to the probation because they was talking about jail time then Off and the there. Rip, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it was always probated over the circuit court, so it was, it was a felony from the beginning. So my uncle ended up giving me probation. Um, I had to do one day in county jail, and then I got the probation. But they had the paper wrong. They thought that I had to do one year. So I was, like, sitting in the county for seven, like, seven, eight days until, like, they fixed the paperwork and faxed it over to the judge. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was crazy. And, like, I was, like, asking, like, CEOs every day. They was like, okay, like, yeah, we got it, we got it. It was, like, this one CEO. She's like, I'm going to check into it for you. She checked into it, and I was gone, like, within, like, two hours. That's crazy. So didn't even have a ride. I'm out there like <laughs> I don't care. Like I'm gonna walk home if I have to. Hey, that's what I tell my like if I look, my nigga, if I bail you out of jail, it's up to you to get back to the crib. Cause I don't go so like I don't go out my way to do shit for people. And what I mean by that is like, all right, I go to I work three thirty to three thirty, right? If I could get something done for you before three o'clock and I'm on my way to work, I do it, whatever it no is. Problem. But my nigga, if I bail you out of jail, I'm sending the bail bondsman, I'm not coming to get you. You gotta get home on your own, my nigga. You just couldn't get up, you couldn't walk outside and some people have problems with shit like that but I'm like bro I'm not going um, out of my way for nobody you can I'm not, build me out I'm, that, that's yeah, all I need I'm never going to inconvenience myself for somebody else you know what I'm saying like long as it's before I got to do whatever I got to do if I got to meet the bail bondsman when I'm having lunch bring them in bro bring the bring the thing so I can slide the card or give them the money but getting home is up to you I swear <laughs> and it was so crazy the lady it was like um, a clerk she was end up getting off and she was like, well, where are you going? And I'm like, well, I'm going to Detroit. She's like, oh, well, where are you? Because I got to go pick up my kids. And I'm like, well, I live on Linwood and Puritan. I stayed on Bayless. She was like, shut up. I'm going near Central. I'm like, oh, my God. This lady about to try to kidnap me. <laughs> but I'm going to go get in this car because I still need a ride home. So yeah. you was in Pontiac? And, and, <clears throat> yeah, I was And she in was Pontiac. going to the D. And she was like, yep, she was going. So I got there. I'm like, um, she let me call my mom. I'm like, yo, like, go in my drawer and get some money. I'm like, I got to pay this lady. And she was like, oh, no, I don't want it. Was the it. money from the illegal checks? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Oh, my goodness. I'm like, I got to pay this lady, signed up, hand her. It's, and you know what? That's actually like when my whole little spiral happened. Yeah. Because I ended up like, I was like, after I like scapegoated prison the first time, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like, as so long as. untouchable. What? Yeah, I was untouchable. I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then, like, once I had a, the coolest probation officer. The coolest, like, she'll call me, like, where you at? And I'm at home. And she's like, all right. Well, <laughs> that's enough for the check. I gotta go. Like, I got something to do with my daughter later. So, um, just just call me tomorrow or something like that. Yeah, because like, see, right, people, cool. they treat you like a human being. Like, yeah. yeah. See, I like when people do that. Like, because sometimes in those type of situations, they'll teach you like a statistic. Like, if I think my probation officer, Miss Grayson, like, she really liked me because I would come in there and be 100 like yo I do music I travel like I don't got no real job you know what I'm saying so if I could go do this show and get some money why can't that count you know what I'm saying y'all just want the bread anyway yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying because that's what bread. actually ended up happening the second time around like when we both was on probation we really just we was on probation and shit doing bad and shit then we came up and we just paid the money and he just so somebody had got killed next door to my mom and shit and he just asked us simply he said hey uh what happened next door to your mom house? Did y'all do that? And we was like, no. Like, but he felt this and he like stood up and like 
did like this because I guess he thought we may have did it. You told me this story. Yeah, so he like stood up and like waved back and shit because I guess he had police. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he waved them back and shit, and then he was like. All right, look, man, y'all already paid. I'm going to let y'all off. Because it was like, y'all need to get y'all on. Why would y'all want to be around that? And then that's when we started like a whole different life in Florida. And we That's actually when our life spiraled upward. You know what I'm saying? That day, he got, we got our probation. He just like call and check in. Like, don't get it. Because we told him like, man, we trying to go to Florida. That's probably why he thought we did it. Because we was telling him we was trying to leave. Yeah, but I that was before that, though. I mean, it was like the month before that we had said we wanted to, like, move to Florida. Yeah, and then we was like, like, no. But the, the thing is, we knew him, and we was like, no, listen, man, we know that guy. Like, him and my cousin came up. He was like, together, and he was like, all right, stood up and shit. We like, damn, this nigga's about to try to, you know what I'm saying? But, like, uh, you like the only woman I've known who've ever been to jail. Like, just walk us through that briefly. All my jail experience? No, this penitentiary. <laughs> Your first okay. night in the penitentiary. So, of course, they transfer you from county. So, I was, like, kind of scared or whatever. I'm like, all right, this is something different. But I had a, like, I had a crash course. I swear to God. I was in, when I was in the county, and it was people that came from prison. Like, they was on a writ. Like, you know, they finished their prison sentence. So, now they got to, like, do this little charge. And Oakland County don't let you go for nothing. Like, they don't. <laughs> no, you going to come here and you going to do this worst. time. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they was telling me, like, all right, you did this with no problem. I was in the county for, like, a month. It's like, you did this with no problem. So, prison is easy. Like, when you get there, order your box, tell your people what you need, like, on your first phone call, because you're not going to be able to get a phone call for, like, two weeks. So, my first night when I got there, I did everything they told me to do. Like, I told them, like, how to order the box, told them, like, give me all personals, because that's all that we can have from quarantine. Yeah. So I'm like, by the time I get on grounds, it's going to be time for a new box. So, yeah, they got everything that they need. So it was like, it's going to sound like really stupid, but it was like really easy. Like prison was not hard. It's nothing like Orange is the New Black, Scare Straight. It's nothing like none of that. It's like literally going away to like boarding school. Like you just come find, people just have to tell you like to get up. And to go, but as far as that, you had your own freedom. I had my own, like, a room like this big with a key. So, like, nobody, it's no in and out. Nobody trying to stab you or rape you or trying to put Snickers on your pillows or nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you obviously got that Snickers on the pillow from somewhere, so what does that mean? No, it was, like, none of that. Now, do you just think because, like, in Michigan, there's only one female facility and people, like, do you think that's the reason? Or do you think, like, everybody's jail experience can't be that. Do you think if they didn't tell you what to do, it might have been harder on you? Or do you think you felt no, like in some way you was prepared was, to go to jail? Yeah, mentally, I was prepared. So I'm like, what? I'm sitting in the county, like, and once he sentenced me to, like, when he sentenced me to 114, like, everything just stopped. Like, I like, just went null and void. Like, no, no emotions, no nothing. We in the elevator riding back down. It's, like, all the inmates, so it's guys and dudes. A couple of guys, guys and you know what I mean. Guys <laughs> and uh, girls. So we all in Everly. I'm like, damn, you just got sentenced to um, a year. They're like, he like they sent you up there, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, you not worried? I'm like, like I knew this was gonna happen. Meanwhile, yeah. like he boohooing because he had to go do six months in the county. <laughs> so dude, like, dang, like you over here crying and she about to go to prison for a year. She just like, fuck it. But. So your one to fourteen stayed a one, or you turned that into a little longer? Oh no 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 no! It stayed a one. It was actually a seven because I had <laughs> county time. <laughs> I had credited county time. Like every time that I ever been to 
every time I ever been to the county has been in Oakland County, so they counted all of that. Yeah, and that was like four months worth. Yeah, that like different times. You know, two weeks for this ticket. So it sounds like you really need to get your license together if you want to stay out of trouble. Well, just yeah. don't do I check have. crimes. But I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately took you down no. to uh, <laughs> drive it. Yeah, that was that was it. But I felt like my first night, even if I wouldn't have had like that, what is it like that syllabus on what to do when you get there? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty much like pick up and go. Like everything was like self-explanatory. Now, so what a. Uh, before I get back to Lex, so what I do know is, uh, niggas really don't hold bitches down in jail. Did you, did you have a case of that? Like, no, no, so no, the no, the, no. the best thing I know to uh, Papoose always say like when he would go visit Remy, like he's the only man there. Everybody else was they grandma with their kids and shit. So how did that work out for you? Because I I know how you get down. Like <laughs> you like the reverse order of being my brother. So like, uh, <laughs> so how did that work for you? So did your okay. niggas hold you down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he the entire time throughout county, he sent money. Um I mean, he's a felon too, so he couldn't necessarily come visit me, but like I never had to worry about anything. With him alone, I never had to worry about anything. Yo, it and, was your other niggas? No, 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 oh. no. It was only one nigga. <laughs> it was only one nigga I never had to worry about. And that was another thing why prison was so easy because I had support. Yeah. So I had him supporting me. If I had nobody else, I was still good. I had my sister supporting me. If she did it by herself, I was still good. I had my best friend supporting me. If she did it by herself, like I was good. Right. And but it, I had all these people at, at one, one time. time. Yeah. So. So even like when I went to the county, when I went to the county, because I did a year in the county for that uh, shit. So I got a bunch of mail and I had my own money. So it wasn't like my brother had to struggle to scramble. You know what I'm saying? Hey, dog, send me. $75, send me this. And then my homeboy, rest in peace, like one day he come through the door and we both got money, but he's a super big gambler, you know what I'm saying? So we, uh, we now we got extra money because I'm like, dog, whatever you need, I got, and you go lose, go win. But he had his own money, I had my own money. But you see the effects of people not getting support and people not caring. People just don't give a fuck, you know they what don't. I'm saying? And like. The worst is to hear how much a nigga talk about how his girl love him and all this, and your bitch don't even answer the phone. And then I got like 30 letters from 15 bitches and pictures, and you kind of not want to show people that shit because nobody give a fuck it about you. Yeah. It was like literally at this case, like uh, my homegirl Jazz, she was in there. And she was like, you know, she was in love with her boyfriend. And like, she's like, you know, he loved me, this and that, but she could never get him on the phone. Like, he ain't never sending her no money. And then, like, at this point, like, every everybody, like, in my little pod, they knew, like, I had support. So, there's, like, you on the phone with your boyfriend every day. Like, y'all talking 25 minutes, like, every day. Like, he's always sending you money, pictures, letters, everything. So, she, like, she literally asked me, like, so where did you find him? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm like... I like I met I met him at my grandma's house. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah if my if if, if if my bra go to jail, I'ma hold her down though. Like, cause you know what I'm saying. If my bra go to jail, I'm just, it is what it, it is. is. What it is. So the, like, if my if 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 I'm fucking with somebody and they go to jail, like yeah. you know what I'm saying. I ain't you know, but I'm fucking out here because I never once <laughs> ever tried to act like that. None of the bras I was fucking with wasn't fucking nobody because I'm fucking y'all on a regular basis. So and I'm that would be for what a year. That would be what be fucking with people mental. Like they always. 
wonder what's going on. You're like, yeah. So the girlfriend I had when I initially even went to jail or the closest one to me, she ended up leaving. You know what I'm saying? But the one who I didn't think nothing about, like, you know what Stay. I'm saying? It's always Held me the down one. like a motherfucker. It's you know what I'm saying? She turned out to be a trash ass <laughs> bitch too, but for that point in my life. You like, needed her. Yeah, yeah, like she, you know what I'm saying? Never missed vicious. a letter or nothing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, uh, Lex, how, how many times do you defend women and, and like who could possibly go to the penitentiary? Well, I've defended one, and she went to prison, and she was actually pregnant. And oh, um, when? I wonder if I know her. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, what year were you in there? Oh, uh, 2016. No, 2016 to 17. Okay. Yeah, her name is Jazz. <laughs> so I don't know if it's the same Jazz hey. that you're that you were in there with, but she was my only female client that went to prison. I actually cried at her sentencing because she How was long pregnant. Did she get? She, um, I can't remember how long it was. It was it was one year on the low end, and her tail might have been around fifteen years, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was for a conspiracy to commit armed robbery, and um, oh, we I don't think I know we that. were in front of Judge Ewell, and um, I had argued at her sentencing a motion to for a downward departure. So for people who don't know, that means to go below the minimum on the guidelines, yeah. and. Um, and so it was really, really tough. Like, it was a really, um, you know, it was a really, really tough case. So I had filed a motion to quash, and I got one of the counts kicked before trial, which was really big. And um, there were four four young people, all 19. And, um, you know, she was the only one who didn't, I believe the only one who didn't get boot camp because she had um, a prior. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was really tough for me because I, I'm a mother, and um, she was pregnant, and the judge that was really gracious, he gave her a choice. She could go in immediately, which meant giving birth in prison, and um, and get less time, or she could go in after the birth and get a little bit more time. And so we talked, and she made the decision to go in immediately. But it was really challenging because I went to go visit her, and like I said, as a mother, my heart went out because I believe... I believe she was shackled when she gave birth. It was really crazy circumstances, but she couldn't hold her baby. Yeah, nope. uh, <clears throat> yeah it was really sad. Like she wasn't able to hold the baby. Um, but one thing is, her boyfriend he he did stay there with her. They ended up um, getting married, but he she had him. Uh, she had her parents, and I went to go see her because I think it's tough too. Because some people get sentenced in. The lawyers, you know, you don't really you're technically not the lawyer anymore, so you don't have to go see him. But I went to see her. Because when you have a case with somebody and it goes over a year, you kind of yeah. get close to them. Closer. And so, but she was my only one. So you went to Huron Valley? Yes. Yeah. So speaking of motherhood, how do you deal with motherhood being a lawyer? Because that's 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 a pretty stressful that's a pretty stressful job. It is. Um, maybe it's a little different because I had my kids were, um, you know, a little older by the time I was licensed, and. Um, you know, it was diff- it was difficult transitioning back into motherhood last year after having my youngest. And as far as accommodations for pumping, you know, our court just made accommodations for that. But I mean, it's I just like been- a, I'm sorry, it's like a lot of places of making accommodations for right. breastfeeding now. Right. Them out. But I feel like that's what makes um, women lawyers so amazing. And I said once, like, I'm not sure why anybody will hire a man because. We do so much. Wow, and <laughs> wait a minute. What? I'm just She's saying. She's mitigating my pumping. Right. I'm like, we do so much, and we don't complain, and we can be ferocious advocates. I'm not going to say women don't <laughs> complain about that type yeah. of stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, if it's up to me, though, I'm hiring a, a black woman. Well, yeah. yeah. I actually less, but I'm just saying, <laughs> because like I hear these dudes talk all the time.
time and shit. And I'll be like, they you be got a lawyer. And, and then they be like, like, yeah, I got such and such. I'll be like, bro, but would you, how, why would you put your life in your enemy hands? Like your mom, a black woman, like why wouldn't you hire a black woman if she take these kind of cases? And I don't think it clicked. Some niggas' mamas don't love them, so that might be a turnoff. But, but I'm like, you know how would you too? put your life in your enemy hands? Like when you talk about Oakland County, I've had clients say to me like, well, you know, I think I would be better off having a white lawyer in Oakland County. And that is a challenge. And I do feel as an attorney, like they don't want us in Oakland County. But that's brainwashing because- <clears> They don't like, have any see, black judges. Well, they have no. They, they do. Just, they have Judge Bowman and um, he's like a Judge boy. Langford, but they've never elected a black judge. Both of those were appointed, and then they were reelected. Oakland County has never outright elected a black judge, yeah. and you know what they say that it'll never happen, which I think is crazy. Oh, the fact just, that you I, say that. Yeah, I just seen some shit from Southfield, like make Southfield white again, and it's yeah. like pushing all the political right. people that's white. Right. Like, and this is real. This ain't Shut no made up shit, but. I think that uh, black people are conditioned to think the white man will help them more right. than anybody. Right. So when you go to court, they want you to have a Jewish lawyer because right. they think you. But no, my nigga, because this Jew don't care nothing about they me. They don't period. care. Right. Like when I beat in my case, I had Crips and Silvers. That's a husband and wife team. Right. They, they probably they lost their steam. Edward before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they probably lost their no, steam. No, one of my not. partners got them not. Yeah, okay. So they've been going for a long time. Real long. The only reason (laughs) I felt confident in them is because they was beating cases for my cousin. You know what I'm saying? But that second time around when we caught our drug case, we went in there with McDuffie and it felt different. You know what I'm saying? He come in there, gatored up, tailor-made suits to the flow, and he did what he said because he said, when we leave today, y'all will be tight and ain't nobody going to jail. And they was pushing for me to go to jail hard as hell because they was mad that I just literally finished Haida. Like, when I say literally, like, if I finish April 1st, like May 3rd, we caught another case. You know what I'm saying? So they whole thing was like, he just ain't started doing this last month. And they was mad. And we walking out with McDuffie on some pock shit. Like, bitch, we told <laughs> and, the crazy, and you know what's so crazy? So when we caught our case, we was in Westland. Now, the Westland uh, court appointed was a black woman, right? But then, like, because we like shit, we don't, we don't, you know what I'm saying? But then she was like, wait a minute. Like, uh, y- y- who? And then, like, McDuffie just showed up. And then it was like, she was like, who uh, he here for? And they was like, he there for them. She was like, y'all ain't got nothing to worry about. And got up and left. You feel what I'm saying? So that put the confidence right. in you too. You know what I'm saying? Now, it was an advantage in his first case with having uh, white lawyers because they had just the history of them with the police chief and all of that. So that worked in his favor, but that's not going to happen all the time because sometimes the history is bad. So it's like, oh, you again? But it just so happened that Crips and Silver and uh, the officer, I won't say his name, I won't give him no shine, but they was friends. I'm the only person that didn't go to jail fucking with this officer. Like, he put one of my homeboys in jail who's still in jail to this day. Like, he was he was like Inkster's top cop at the time. Dirty motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? But you can't dirty me when your best friends you eating lunch with every day is my right. attorneys. You know what I'm saying? You can't. And once we got the shit, once it got bonded, my shit could have got squashed. In Angster, but it didn't because I had a co-defendant that put me there just from being with him. He ain't even too much say nothing. It was just like, you was there. This get bonded over. But my shit could have got squashed. But once it got downtown, a lot of people don't understand that either. If you coming from one of these Angster running this Wayne or whatever, once your shit get downtown, it's a different ball game. Completely. You know what I'm saying? Because first of all, they don't give a fuck about it because you ain't from the D. So you writing checks in the D, not saying you was in the D, is bigger to them because that's affecting Detroit. I'm from Angster. I might not never get in trouble again. You know what I'm saying? So what's next for you, Nikki? But you Oh, um hmm. That's a good question. 
Well, think about that. Well, right now I'm just <laughs> what's next? Right now I'm actually like looking to buy my house next year. Yeah. So yeah. like, okay, when I got out of prison, I instantly got two jobs. I've had two jobs since I've been home. Um, bought a car, had my own place. So now I'm like, I just got to get back to where I was before I went to prison. <clears throat> and yeah. so how does uh, being a felon affect you in employment right now? You know what? Everybody says like having a felony is like the horrible thing because you can't find jobs, and that's a lie. A lot of these companies out here are felon-friendly. Like I said, I've had two jobs. Two of them have been at plants since I've been home. And I never lied about, oh, do you have a felony? I've always said, oh, yes, I did. Even with my apartment, you know, they do background checks and everything. And from the gate, I'm like, yo, I got a felony. I just got out. I've been working two jobs since I've been home, though. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we're going to work with you. So, like, when people say they can't find a job because they're a felon, that's a lie. And, and you know I've, been, I've made, I've made like, 13 and up at both my jobs. Right. A lot of them companies, they get them tax write-offs for that, too. So they hire a felon and say you make $70,000 that year. They write that off on their taxes somehow. It's, it's like big incentives. For companies to actually, anytime any plant go hire you, any of the big it's three some, will hire it's you. Some plants that don't hire felons though, but no, I'm saying big three wise, like nope, not Ford. You sure? Yep, it's I some tried. felons at Ford, but I, they it, probably caught their shit during after they was in the union. Mine's right. still you know fresh though, so I can't even get it expunged for like another four years. Yeah, well, you you might not be able to because uh. You can only get one felony. Exp- oh, you but said you the first one was a mystery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. guess what y'all could do. That so the count. real connection is maybe we can get her to help you expunge your felony. Of course, <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. right, don't catch up, no drunk driving. No, okay. yeah. no, oh no, no, no! Yeah, yeah, y'all yeah. never had a drunk driving. <laughs> so what's next for you, Lex? Like, uh, oh my goodness! One big thing about Lex that I will say is that like we best friends and shit. Like this is my daughter's godmother. I'm her daughter's godfather. We'll talk about that though, but. She was working for a law firm, and we won't say the name, and I was telling her, like, yo, just go be on your own, because she was, get, like, they was giving her the black lady deal, like, 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 and I wasn't feeling that, because as a friend, you like, yo, I want to do something to these people, because they, like, treating her They're a certain her way. Yeah. yeah. So she was telling me that she wanted to start her own thing, and she did it, and when she started her own thing, like... I keep her mad clients, yo. This is a family attorney. You, yeah. So you know all the criminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know yeah. the criminals and the lawyers. Yeah, That's the real connection. Yeah. But she a dope attorney and she's a good person. And if any of y'all out there who need an attorney, uh, what is it, 888 Taylor Law or is it 800? You still doing that? Right, 888 Tougher. Tougher, because she would pot get you off the, with the drunk drivings too. You know what I'm <laughs> oh, you know what? My auntie may need you. <laughs> right, and that's how I be, though. Like, I be at work, and I be hearing these guys talk about child support, whatever. Oh, call my lawyer, call my lawyer, call my lawyer. And I'm doing that because they are black men, in a sense. And I'm like, yo, we need to build this black lady up. And then in a crazy twist of it's such a small world, she had a lawyer that she employed. Was she a lawyer? Your homegirl? No. Okay, she worked there, though. What was she doing? Paralegal. Okay, so she she worked there with a paralegal, and this is my best friend, my other best friend's girlfriend's cousin, cousin's girlfriend. My then sister, my mama, mama, my sure. other homeboy worked there, and that's what Chrissy do. What do Chrissy do? Paralegal. And so, oh, the other one was a lawyer. Okay, yeah. yeah. So okay. three guys, we all work at the same place. His cousin's girlfriend is a lawyer for her, 
And then my other homeboy's girlfriend is a paralegal for her. That's how small the world is. So small. Yeah. And then that's dope because if some people will be like, oh, yeah, you can find another job at another law firm. Like, no, create your own because even with the law firms, like, if you work for them, they get that name recognition, but you go in there and fight. You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, such and such law firm won that. Like, no. Well, that's exactly what was happening because the attorney that I worked for, he saw the talent in me. So I didn't really see the gift so much at first. And he was like, you know, you could be the best lawyer ever like he saw because other judges that I had trials in front of were calling him like wait this lawyer you sit here like she's pretty amazing and so but I have to say Santuan and my parents and my mom they were the only two that saw it before I did that I was going to open my own firm because you used to ask me I'm like no I'm just going to stay here until I'm ready to run for judge and then at a point I'm just like you know I think there's something else so at what point did you realize you had the sauce um you know it was probably um I would say three years into practicing when I realized, like, okay, I have something, you know, unique that a lot of lawyers don't have. Well, you know, when I seen it, I was, uh, it, it's cool to talk about past shit that you want, right? Yeah. With Dog, with his grandma. Yeah. No, his granddaddy, I thought. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Cause the axe murder case. When she got the axe murder, <laughs> he's an axe murderer, <laughs> but, like, she technically won the case. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, that is amazing. But I don't want him in my neighborhood. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Because like that's like them hard cases to win. Like well, you become like immersed in that. Yeah. yeah, that murder one case that I had with the young kid from the Brewsters and that two week and I was up against a thirty year veteran in the prosecutor's office and I got a not guilty. When you talk about swept the legal community, like people were looking like, Oh wait, wait. I had uh, so many lawyers coming to sit in that trial. Like and I remember that it was mm-hmm. raining. We was on the three-way with you, and we was like, yo, your name about to go off right. in a jail, like, so heavy. And we yeah. also told her that she's probably going to defend the person who murders him for beating the murder case and Stop. coming back to the <laughs> Brewster Project. But you know how it be, though, like. Because they're going to be like, shit, of- I get. They had him on a plane, like, the next day, because I told him, like, get him out of here. Yeah, but that's dope, man. We proud of you. We always been Thank proud you. of you. You just. And uh, I'm always going to send you work, so that Thank way if you. I ever need you. <laughs> No, we're we're out here trying to take over the world and that's why you know i'm crossing over into the political side because we we have to have a greater reach as black professionals black attorneys and you can't just have your hand in one pot and i want to seat at those tables because in order to make those connections to be able to have those power plays you have to have a seat at the table and so that's what we're doing now yeah and that's what and that's what go back to it's all about where you put your money at like in, in the last election for uh when you ran, like, of course we voted for you, but I told her, like, I said, like, when she get there, though, like, we got to keep her funded because that's when it get, like, really sketchy. Right. Like, like, everything under scrutiny, and we like, yo, we got to keep her funded, everything, because the further she go, like, we know her interests. We didn't just meet her. We've been going to, we've known her since high school. We know her interests. Like, our kids know each other. Like, why would we pick anybody else? You know what I'm saying? All right, so uh, everybody give out their socials and where they can be contacted at if they want to be contacted. Because you, you might not want to be. What's I mean, I don't really think I have anything necessary for anybody to contact. But you don't know how your story might affect somebody. But <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram is two underscores, N-O-N-I-K-I. Facebook is my real name, Nonique Carpenter. 
That's what's up. I can be contacted on Facebook. Um, the firm page is Taylor Law Firm or under my personal Alexandria Taylor Martell. And on Instagram is Lawyer Lex with two X's. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> that's all one word. No so listen, underscores. No underscore. All with the one. political thing, I was going to tell you, um, my cousin is a financial advisor. She just did like some campaign firm. I can't remember his name, but his opponent basically like said she did such a great job that he ended up hiring her for his next campaign. Oh, wow. So I can give you her information. That'd be great. That Boom. Yeah. And true connected advisor. experience. So yes, I'm that'd SJ. Be great. And I'm like, AJ. if you see it, her name is Roxanne. Okay. Roxanne Shante? Oh, no. Oh, she's a rapper. Hey. <laughs> so, where can they find us, bro? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at TCE Pod. Instagram and Twitter at TCE Pod. If you want to be a part of the show, you like the show, you don't like the show, you don't like the terms we use, just let us know. Uh, all feedback is appreciated. PR at TCOHH.org. Org. And I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And I want for my brother what, what I, I want, want for myself. myself.